Hey guys, welcome back or welcome to Bring Your Own Baggage. I'm your host Justine and I'm here to talk about mental health and body image issues on college campuses from the perspective of a college student. These struggles are much more prevalent than you'd expect and I'm here to let you know that you're not alone. Hey guys, so today is a big day because my parents got me podcasting equipment for Christmas, which was very nice of them and it very much improved the quality of my audio for um, in-person interviews. So before I was trying to record with two USB mics on one on one Mac, obviously my laptop, and it just did not work out too well. Um, I think the audio was still only coming in from one mic, so that's like in my episodes with Sydney and Kristen why the audio was a little wonky. Um, that was the reason why. So I'm just gonna use this as an excuse to re-record episodes with them. <laughs> so we can get, you know, the full the full effect now. So before we dive into this episode, I just wanted to quickly talk about New Year's resolutions since I thought it was very fitting because I'm recording this on January 1st. Um, happy 2021. Because I feel like New Year's resolutions are obviously about improving yourself, but we often prioritize physical improvements over mental improvements. So for this year, I will challenge you guys, if you're into making New Year's resolutions, to think of a mental resolution or a mental health resolution you can make um so you know instead or maybe add it on to a resolution of like you know going to the gym three times a week or stopping snacking past 8 p.m or something like that think of a resolution for your mental health like practicing self-compassion more um having at least one self-care day a week or opening up to at least one friend about your mental health and With New Year's resolutions, I think it's important to not put too much pressure on it because I feel like that's when a lot of guilt comes in, when you don't fulfill your resolutions in the way that you envisioned. So instead, focus on practicing these um, throughout the year instead of achieving them or achieving them perfectly. All right, so... Without further ado, let's get on to the introduction. So our first guest that is getting to try out this nude podcasting equipment is my sister, Kira. Kira is a freshman at Cornell. She's majoring in computer science, and she accidentally went viral on TikTok, making her our second celebrity guest here at BYOB. So Kira, do you want to explain how you went viral on TikTok? Sure. So my senior prom got canceled due to COVID, and I wanted to cheer up some of my friends, so I baked them all fruit tarts and delivered them to their houses and then made them get on a Zoom call with me where we were all we were all dressed up uh, in our dresses. And for some reason that went viral. Uh, please don't try to find me on TikTok though. That's super embarrassing. <laughs> and weren't people asking for the fruit tart recipe in the comments? <laughs> and I couldn't give the couldn't give it to them because my mom made it. So <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. So today we're talking about imposter syndrome. And for those of you who don't know, imposter syndrome is a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent, whoa, persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. We're just going to jump straight into the personal experience now. So Kira, when did you first experience imposter syndrome? I think the first time I experienced it was uh, when I was interning at NASA for the first time. Actually, wait, that's the only time I've ever (laughs) interned there. I don't know why I said that. But this is the first time that I was trying something with computer science that was um, more than just for fun. And there were people actually depending on me. Uh, And I was obviously surrounded by people that were a lot smarter than me, a lot of college students. Um, I even had somebody... Uh, explain the program that I was developing to me and in my head I was like oh my gosh they know so much more than I do (laughs) even though I was literally developing it Um, 
And so I think that was the first time I started thinking that I didn't belong there or I didn't deserve to be there or that maybe CS should stay a hobby instead of a profession. What did you do at NASA? Just so you can explain that to the listeners. Sure. So I created a virtual reality um, toolkit of sorts that helps engineers visualize attitudes, control components of spacecrafts using live data. I don't know if that, I think that's the best way to put it. It's it's like, imagine if you saw a spaceship in virtual reality, but you could see all of its physical components, like its proximity to the sun or uh, its local, horizontal, local, vertical vectors. Uh, so that's what I did. I didn't understand any of that, but I hope some of you listening will understand what she's saying. So how did imposter syndrome manifest itself in your life? I think it made it really hard to try new projects just in case I failed. Uh, Beforehand, I wasn't really that scared of failing because there were no consequences and I could just try things. But now if I failed, I thought that would just confirm all the fears that I had that I didn't belong in this field at all Mm -hmm. um and then every achievement now feels a little bit artificial uh like somehow I cheated my way to get there I felt that way with college or with any awards um and even though I love computer science I find myself constantly reevaluating if it's right for me because there are so many more qualified people or I'm surrounded by people who seem much more qualified I feel like it's easy to think that the people around you are more qualified than you are since you're in such a competitive field but all of your friends family we all know that you worked really hard to get to where you are right now and you deserve to be there as much as anyone else there um so when you say you feel like you cheated your way to get there what does that mean i usually attribute it to external factors not that are not my own intelligence so Uh, In terms of getting positions I don't feel qualified for, I'll attribute it to being a woman and maybe they needed a diversity quota Mm -hmm. or something like that. So nothing I do feels like it was completely uh, indicative of my intelligence or my worthiness for the position. It mostly feels like I got there accidentally or maybe they made a mistake (laughs) and accidentally. Like wrong application. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe they accidentally did accepted me or something like that um and so just some signs of imposter syndrome are self-doubt overachieving inability to realistically assess your competence and skills attributing your success to external factors berating your performance and fear that you won't live up to expectations so you kind of touched a little bit on this but did you experience any of these symptoms yes definitely um i think overachieving is a big one because People with imposter syndrome usually feel like they need to overcompensate um, to, I guess, overcompensate for whatever shortcoming they see on their own behalf. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I'm usually extremely hard on myself, especially when I don't understand something immediately that might come from being a gifted child. Okay, especially instead when everyone seems naturally gifted, um, right? Uh, Whenever I have to work for something that comes a lot easier for people, it, it, it seems more indicative that I'm not fit to be there even though everyone has to work hard I just need Mm -hmm. to recognize that yeah and I think that's like how in high school even people would be like math science people and they're the rest of everyone was just you know there and I wasn't considering myself like a math science person Mm -hmm. and I just assumed that everyone in a stem field just knew everything about math and science 
And so, like, I would ask my friends who were good at, like, calc for help in physics, and they'd be like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I think there is, just in that field, the idea that everyone who got there is naturally smart and naturally gifted at everything in the field because they're a quote-unquote math science person. Right. So how has imposter syndrome impacted your life from an educational and a social standpoint? Uh, I think it impacts me a lot more socially than educationally because educationally you can work hard uh, you can still feel like a fraud but it's less crippling because you can just achieve the grades that prove that maybe you're not and that's like an objective viewpoint um, that that you are qualified to be there but socially it's really difficult to fit in with stem peers I remember I was in math class uh, this semester and they were all talking about how easy the quiz was and how they didn't need to study or anything and I was literally going up to them to ask them to form a study group <laughs> so it's really difficult to to even ask for help even around people I consider my friends in STEM fields because uh, I know that they probably or I, they probably don't but in my head I'm thinking that they think I'm stupid for asking help uh, so I usually pick friends outside of STEM fields also because STEM people are just um braggy (laughs) for lack of better word (laughs) what do you think about stem makes it harder to feel like you could ask for help or why people in stem fields tend to suffer more from imposter syndrome than like liberal arts fields uh hmm. that's a good question uh for some reason people in STEM fields have this superiority complex Mm. where they immediately assume that their major is more difficult, which is so Mm. wrong. I can code things, but I cannot write an essay if my (laughs) life depended on it. So, uh, so that superiority complex comes from putting liberal arts majors down and other majors down. And it's not, that's not exclusive to just liberal arts. It's, it's maybe an info sci major who dropped out of CS or, or a, physics major who changed to something else I don't know Mm -hmm. um and so they they see those changes as weakness and they kind of pounce on that Mm -hmm. and they use that to feed their ego Mm -hmm. and that's really dramatic and I know a lot of STEM people don't do that but I think that's a big point of that that needs to be changed in STEM in general like their disdain towards anyone who they deem is not in a difficult field Mm mm-hmm and I think that connects to how much people think your major will make you, like how much your salary will be out of college. Oh, yeah. And for a lot of STEM fields, you can just go straight from undergrad into like a six-figure job. And, you know, liberal arts feels like, for psych at least, I'm going to have to go to grad school for another seven years before I start making decent money, hopefully. But I think that's just a thing that we need to work on as college students in general is just not equating success with how much money you make and just because your major may make you more money right out of college like doesn't mean another major isn't as competent and stuff this is just a 30 minute roast of stem (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) anyways um (laughs) stem sucks We can say that because Kira is in STEM. It was just me saying that. People be like, she's so bitter. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that the environment of going to a highly competitive college fueled the feelings of being an imposter? Um, Definitely. Because Kira goes to Cornell. Yeah, I go to Cornell. (laughs) So it's it's actually an Ivy League. It's 
<laughs> if you guys didn't know what it is, it's an Ivy League. It is an Ivy League. <laughs> um, it's it's hard because there are so many factors that I think help me get in. Um, I'm a legacy and I'm a woman in STEM. And those things alone feels like an unfair advantage that I got over other people. And that just kind of feeds into the imposter syndrome. Like I'm definitely not allowed to be here there are more qualified people here that got in without those advantages um it always also seems like someone's doing more or doing better uh even if they don't explicitly say it um people love to like humble brag mm-hmm. a lot even like f- the first week of school there were people hum- humble bragging <laughs> humble bragging <laughs> Oh, okay. Vocabulary is so hard. Humble She's bra- in STEM. <laughs> Humble bragging about their credits or their, like, major acceptance rate, which is weird because we're all at the same school, so. Yeah. Um, but then again, I think people will always find a way to dilute success, so I need to stop. Um, people will use legacy or affirmative action or... Cornell being a glorified state school, you know, <laughs> any of those things to to put others down. So I yeah. I kind of have to apply that advice to myself and stop doing it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that you were talking about being a legacy and how that impacted imposter syndrome. Um, because I don't know, I never thought of being a legacy would, I guess it kind of gives you a leg up, but like our dad didn't really do anything for <laughs> Cornell. He didn't donate like any money. <laughs> I'm a legacy and I didn't get in, so. <laughs> yeah, we're both legacies and we didn't get into Harvard, so. <laughs> so, so, being a legacy, <laughs> legacy only gets you so far. It, like, only boosts you so much. And I think that, obviously, most of the reason why you got in was your credentials, because you worked at NASA. <laughs> I did. <laughs> She's like, on her application... Life was really hard for me until I learned how to build a rocket ship. <laughs> no, I, I did do literal rocket science. So. All right. So thanks for sharing all of that. And now we're going to go straight into the advice. But first, um, we're going to just give you guys a little bit of information on what imposter syndrome is because I um, wasn't super clear as to what it was until a few months ago. But first off, if you are struggling with imposter syndrome, especially in college, it's very normal um, because around 70% of individuals struggle with this at some point in their academic and future career. There are also five types of imposter syndromes, which I did not know, um, but Dr. Valerie Young has an entire book about it, so I'll let Kira explain what those are. So the first type of imposter syndrome is the perfectionist. They find it hard to find success in their mind since they always believe they could have done better. And even if they meet 99% of their goals, they're still going to feel like failures. Any small mistake will make them question their own competence. The second type is the superwoman slash man. They push themselves to impossible lengths to be able to measure up to others. They conceal their insecurities with work overload and are otherwise known as alcoholics. Workaholics. Okay, okay. <laughs> this is <laughs> the Superwoman one. <laughs> okay. 
I can't do it. You do the superwoman slash man. We'll switch off. The second type of imposter syndrome is the superwoman slash man. Um, They push themselves to impossible lengths to be able to measure up to others, and they conceal their insecurities with work overload, and they're also known as workaholics. The third type is the natural genius. They base success on the speed at which they're able to understand something as opposed to how hard they have to work for it. And they're usually embarrassed if they take too long to master something. When they have to put in any effort, their brain tells them that's proof that they're an imposter. All right. The the fourth um, type of imposter syndrome is the soloist. This is pretty self-explanatory. The soloist refuses to um, get an assistance from others because they want to prove their worth by doing it themselves. And the last type is the expert. They base success on how much they know, and they fear as being perceived as inexperienced. They feel the need to know every single piece of information before they start a project and constantly look for new certifications or training to improve their skills. All right, so now that we have some background on what the type of imposter syndromes are, we're going to go into how to battle these beliefs, again, from Dr. Valerie Young. So for the perfectionist, it's important to celebrate your achievements in order to avoid burnout and understand that everyone makes mistakes and that's all the part of the learning process. There will never be a perfect time to start something that will result in your work being flawless, so don't let this stand in the way of your work. For the superwoman slash man, you have to find success in your hard work instead of external validation and try to train yourself to take on new tasks because they interest you instead of because you think other people will have a higher opinion of you for completing them. At the end of the day, your opinion of yourself is the one you're stuck with for the rest of your life, so prioritize internal validation and building self-confidence over external validation. For the natural genius, you have to understand that natural intelligence will only get you so far and that you, like everyone else, is a work in progress. It's important to focus on learning from your mistakes rather than beating yourself up for not accomplishing impossibly high goals. These goals may be quote-unquote impossible now, but you have time to improve and eventually achieve them. For the soloist, everyone needs help and no one, no matter how smart, can do everything on their own. Asking for help is a sign of strength as it shows that you're able to recognize your weaknesses, which everyone has, except me. (laughs) (laughs) Combining strengths with those around you will help everyone in the long run. For the expert, there's always more to learn, but sometimes hoarding unnecessary knowledge for false comfort can lead to procrastination. It's important to practice learning in the moment and acquiring skills and knowledge when you need it instead of building an arsenal of specific skills you may never need. Again, you're expected to have weaknesses and you don't have to have the answers to everything. There's no one answer for why people experience imposter syndrome, but the general idea is that confidence comes from belongingness. Learn to reframe your thoughts and value constructive criticism instead of believing that this is proof that you aren't good enough. If someone's taking time to help you improve, this means they obviously believe you have potential and the ability to succeed with a little help. Yeah, in addition, don't let doubt control your actions and let the possibility that you may succeed outweigh the fear that you'll fail. And it's okay if you fail again. Everyone does. Um, Something really cool that UVA Student Council, I think, don't quote me on that, did, was create failure resumes that listed everything that people have been rejected from. And it just kind of normalized that failure because at competitive, actually at any school, um, it may seem that everybody has their life together, that everyone has gotten to the internships that they applied for and all of that. But people get rejected all the time. People fail all the time. So I think it's really important to be able to talk about this and to bring back those failure resumes. Um, Me and Kira will start it off. Um, my recent failure was getting rejected from an internship literally three hours after I applied. <laughs> I was like, did they even read my application? But 
I also only got an interview for one out of the four psych research labs I applied for in the spring, which is just heartbreaking because I kind of need this for my career, but it's fine. Um, my recent failure would probably be getting rejected from almost every club or organization I applied for on campus. Like, they were fun clubs, too. It wasn't even... I don't you would know. apply for fun clubs? Yes. Like, what, what kind? <laughs> like, I actually don't want to say because it it's embarrassing. <laughs> I'll tell you after. <laughs> but uh, they were supposed to be for fun, and then I got rejected. Um, I applied to seven internships, and I haven't heard back from any of them. So I'm guessing I didn't get it. Um, <laughs> and then my, my favorite one is not getting a job at a coffee shop that was hiring... And I was one of two applicants. <laughs> they just never called me back after interviewing. Oh my gosh. It's a high thick world. Getting into like Starbucks and oh my gosh. Pete's getting a job there is actually so hard. Mm-hmm. All right. So our next piece of advice is to motivate yourself by understanding your personal goals and beliefs instead of physical success. Um, so ask yourself questions like, what core beliefs do I hold about myself? Do I believe I am worthy of love as I am? And do I have to be perfect for others to approve of me? And just kind of getting a deeper understanding of yourself and what motivates you internally um, can help you kind of fight off that imposter syndrome because you know that you don't have to impress anybody else. Yeah, and according to Very Well Mind, it helps to make a realistic assessment of your abilities, uh, writing down your accomplishments, what you're good at, um, compare that with your often incorrect and harsh beliefs about yourself, and then don't focus on doing things perfectly, but just do them reason- reasonably well and reward yourself for even taking action. Next, it's important to use social media moderately because social media, I think we've said this in every single one of the episodes but social media leads to comparison which leads to feeling unworthy and again social media is a highlight reel um finally don't fight the feelings of not belonging actively trying to not think about something is impossible and you instead hyper focus on it one thing that my therapist talked about was when you try to thought block it's impossible because like if i'm saying right now try to not think about a bear wearing a sweater i'm sure that is the only thing that you're thinking about right now as with me, I'm kind of losing my train of thought because I'm literally just thinking about a bear wearing a sweater. So cute. But instead of this, try to lean into these thoughts and accept and rationalize them and think to yourself, is there any actual evidence behind this thought? All right, so that wraps up the advice portion. So even if you haven't struggled with imposter syndrome, most people like me have fallen into the vicious cycle of over-preparing for something, doing well, and then believing you only did well because you pulled an all-nighter and then believing it's never going to happen again because this is the only way. Like if you don't do it this way again, it's uh, you're never going to succeed. So these tips are helpful for that too. And one of my New Year's resolutions is to focus on building confidence in my abilities because a lack of confidence is basically the root of my anxiety. So thank you, Kira, for coming on. You're welcome. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> um, I hope you guys are able to get something out of this. Um, if you enjoyed, I don't know where I was going with that train of thought. Me, you can follow me on Instagram <laughs> Kira.Lee with three E's. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, guys. And make sure to BYOB next week. Bye. Bye.